0: Hello, and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast, Divisional Round Questions Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to get the gang back together to talk some freaking ball. Joining me, as always, Fantasy Life Director of Analytics, all-around baller Dwayne McFarlane, as well as Fantasy Life's one, the only, the cincy stormtrooper, Chris Allen. Fellas... How's it going? Chris, we'll start with you. I'm doing
1: well. Uh, I thought the games were, like games this past week were a ton of fun to watch, tons of drama. Uh, I think the game set up this week for similar type, similar level of excitement regarding the storyline. So I'm just happy to dive into and talk some ball with
2: you guys. So how you doing, Dwayne? Doing good. You know, don't have to talk about the Cowboys anymore. Can we please <laughs> not talk about the Cowboys anymore? Kendall made me do it again today on XM. I'm like, we're closing the chapter. We had to go ahead one more time and talk about it because you know, we're keeping Mike McCarthy, but that's it closing the book on it. Happy just to talk about the Packers. Now I'm a new Packers fan, Ian.
0: Cowboys cannot lose this week, fellas. It's just one of those things where it cannot happen. So you should feel good with that. But yeah, guys, obviously four awesome games on the docket. Wish we had a cooler overall name for the divisional round. Maybe we'll get that figured out uh, next time around. So with that, kicking things off with the Houston Texans traveling to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Ravens sitting pretty as nine and a half point favorites at the time. 43 and a half point game total. This one is kicking off Saturday afternoon at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. Saw a funny Tweet, forget who it was, so apologies. But they were saying that if CJ Stroud and Texans make the Super Bowl, they will probably move the Super Bowl to Saturday in the mid afternoon slot. So, certainly continue to get shafted with that timing. But lo and behold, we still should have a good game. Weather is going to be a potential issue upper 20s with a 15 mile per hour wind gust up to 30, and the temperature, fuel. Feels like temperature, I should say, around 10 degrees. Also, we got some injuries to keep an eye on. Mark Andrews practicing in full, coming back from that ankle injury. But Harbaugh did say his status is, quote-unquote, still up in the air. Also note that stud Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey as a, quote-unquote, little dicey and least optimistic coming back from that calf injury. So, Chris, with this weather, don't think we're exactly looking at, you know, Chiefs, Dolphins level of bad, but not ideal either to be mixing some wind with this cold weather.
1: Yeah, and the win portion of it I'm not as too I'm not too concerned about. Uh, under like under or around 15 miles per hour is like really not that much of a concern in in my mind. Check out the, uh, the weather analysis that I did over the off season, 20 miles per hour is really the break point that you want to take a look for regarding any drop in plays run uh, affecting accuracy for quarterbacks, things of that nature. So if it's going to be under, uh, under 15 or around 15 miles per hour, Gus, I typically don't plan for that as, as well, because just a volatile event, it could happen. It could not happen. So really the sustained winds is a portion that i care about and with it being at MT, MT bank stadium if i'm remembering correctly it's just a, like around 200 feet tall fully enclosed so if it is something that is going to be a problem at at worst it might affect the kicking game Chris, but what about
2: the what about the azimuth do uh do azimuth for
1: azimuth? Azimuth, sure. actually the, the azimuth for the ravens stadium <laughs> i forget if it's straight up and down or not it, no actually take that back i think it's cocked to the west like points like northwest if i'm remembering right so i have to take a look at that and make sure see i hate when you do that chris uh, azimuth
2: <laughs> allen baby uh do it get way too nerdy uh, but
1: i think the biggest thing and you mentioned it earlier was about the about the cold temperature so with in the chiefs game it's, it's actually interesting that you pointed that one out because the chiefs with it being in those sub freezing temperatures The Chiefs actually they ran like over 70 plays that out kicks their average for the entire season. Now the passing rate was slightly down, uh, even though they were in control of the game for most of that contest. But they were still passing over their expected rate for uh, for the type of scenario they were in throughout the game. So if we're going to see over 20, like over 20 degrees, I'm not that worried about the about the cold or the wind. This game should play out as we would expect it to
0: good stuff there. Always appreciate We can get Chris, you know, throwing in the wall height and the azimuth, wherever the hell that word is. Thanks for uh, throwing that in there, (laughs) Dwayne, on top of the usual weather forecast. So, now let's dive more into the X's and O's and the Jim's and Joe's involved. Wanted to start off, guys, with just a reflection kind of on this Ravens defense. I was trying to find what makes them unique, what makes them just a legit top two defense in the league in EPA allowed per play alongside the Browns. And you know, I think it might have been a ringer article. I love the stuff that Benjamin And Solik and Stephen Ruiz always put out over there. But they were discussing Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator, and what makes his scheme so good and different. And you know, running some numbers from the quotations on that. The Ravens, they have eight plus defenders in the box at the single lowest rate in the league, but it's like they force offenses to continuously account for more players regardless. They run simulated pressures where they have, you know, six, seven guys at the line, but only four of them rush. Fifth highest rate in the league. They disguise their coverages in terms of using post snap disguise with a safety, you know, in the middle of the field rolling over or vice versa. That's at a top five rate. And accordingly, they do a better job of both creating negative plays and preventing big ones than just about anybody out there. The only thing I could somewhat find, and it's not all that unique to the Ravens, we see it in San Francisco and in Dallas and a lot of the other just really good defenses in the year 2024, is they're not great against the run. Even if you just look over the past, you know, four, six weeks, they've been getting gashed, you know, to an extent. And usually offense is putting up points. They don't give up big plays. They've been able to get by just fine. But Dwayne, like when you're looking at just ways for Houston to be able to attack this defense, do you think it's just Stroud and Nico need to be that much better than, you know, the defense like they have been the last few weeks? Or do you think there's something there to maybe Devin Singletary continuing to get that workhorse role and attacking them on the ground?
2: Well, we talked about this a little bit last week in the matchup against the Browns and the potential for Bobby Slowick to kind of shift gears, want to run the ball a little bit more. That's not necessarily the route they went on, but they just got hot early and they saw the Browns weren't going to be able to stop them. Um, Stroud and Nico were absolutely filling it. Obviously, Dalton Schultz, Brevin Jordan, everybody got in on the party last weekend. But I do think that that, there's potential for that this weekend. I know Chris said the weather should not be a factor, but still they're not in a dome. And Stroud has not been as good outdoors this season. It is good to hear the wind should not be a factor because when you look at C.J. Stroud, his game is all about hitting the deep pass. He leads the league in average depth of target. If you look at the way that they were able to jump out on the Browns last week with Nico. Now Nico can win anyway. Like He's one of these guys that has all the tools. He can beat you over the top. He can beat you underneath. He's a great man beater. We have been seeing more man coverage here recently from the Ravens. I don't know if that will play out. I think a lot of that depends ultimately on how healthy they are in each game. But like you said, they like to disguise things. They're going to look to try to really confuse Stroud. But man, Ian, like no one's really been able to do it yet. Last week, the Browns tried to throw things at him. I mean, that was the fourth ranked pass defense in the NFL. He absolutely obliterated them despite losing Noah Brown basically right out of the gate. This was all about Nico. All about Dalton Schultz. Um, so I, I do think Singletary ends up being a, a factor because you need a counter punch. if if you become predictable against a defense like the Ravens, I think that's when the game is over. And the best way that like you you hang in is you got to keep the game close so that you're not just having to throw the ball all the time. If the Texans can keep the Ravens guessing, then that, I think, keeps the, you know, if they can keep surprise in their back pocket, the element of surprise, then I think that there's still going to be a chance for Stroud to win deep, hit some of these big plays. Not at the rate we're normally used to seeing. I think we have to expect a downgrade in the passing game, but obviously to win, yes, you can run more, but it's still going to come down to Stroud making the plays.
0: And when he is making those plays, as not always, but most of the time it is Nico Collins on the other end of it, can't stress enough how impressive this season has been only Tyree kill averaging more yards per out run. And honestly, Debo Samuel is the only guy per next gen stats and even ESPN's advanced analytics. That's being graded out as a better yards after the catch merchant, which is just crazy because as we see Nico, yeah, he'll get some screens here and there, but usually the leaders in yards after the catch, you know, the Debo Samuels types, the low a dot types. I found it interesting interesting. interesting to go back and look at players with Nico's level of yards after the catch per reception with an an average target depth over at least 10 yards. The top seasons, Debo Samuel, Jamar Chase, Demarius Thomas, RIP. What a freaking stud. Victor Cruz, Josh Gordon, Jalen Waddle, and then also now Nico Collins. So Chris, when you look at that, again, he has been almost unstoppable this year. Do you think he can get going against what's been one of the league's very best pass defenses, even though to Dwayne's point, we're not going to have Noah Brown. We have a and let's face it, pretty much washed Robert Woods, John Metchie, Xavier Hutchinson, Dalton Schultz, Brevin Jordan. They've made some plays, man, but is one guy going to be enough here, Chris?
1: I don't know if it'll be enough, but it's at least an, they he will be capable of keeping the game close. Uh, to Dwayne's point, we've seen Nico Collins, like his target share and air yard shares crept up like over the past few weeks after he returned from injury. And of course, right now, if I'm remembering right. Marlon Humphrey still isn't practicing or at the very least like limited, not looking good for his appearance here in the divisional round. So if we do have a Ravens secondary, at least their uh, primary outside a secondary, that's a primary outside guy. That's going to be at least somewhat banged up. And we do have at least a a chance for a guy like Nico, who has been creeping up in terms of air yards targets. We see more of that going on. We've also the Ravens. I mean, even with Humphrey on the field, they have been susceptible to some of those like decent, like wide receiver one uh, types of results. I mean Brandon Ayuk like got him, like tagged him for like 113 yards, uh, even in the pouring rain, like in week 18, like when they were sitting a lot of their defensive starters anyway, I mean, Deontay Johnson like still found the box. So it's, I think already the matchup sets up for a guy like Nico Collins to really stand out. Uh, as like as the primary option like for for the Texans but he was already looking that way just because the fact that to your point I mean we've seen guys like John Mechie step up he had what like more or less a season high or like getting close to a season high in terms of how like his targets per route run which is fairly healthy Xavier Hutchinson I mean Dalton Schultz I mean all those guys will stand out help them move the chains But if they need someone that's going to help them create explosives, need a guy that's going to continue to help them push the ball down the field and eventually help a guy like Devin Singletary get into the box as they mix up their pass and run rates, I mean, they have to have an alpha like Nico Collins, and he's been that since he came back from injury.
0: Either way, we'll see what happens with this Texans team and if they can somehow shock the world in advance. But even sadly, you know, if they stay here, don't want to give out too many prizes for, you know, not winning the Super Bowl, but just incredible what they've done in year one with CJ Stroud. Future is very bright either way, all I'm saying. Let's talk about La MVP and the Ravens offense. Shout out to our producer, Matt LaMarco, for cashing that Lamar Jackson MVP ticket. Great, that'd be great, my friend. But guys, I went back and looked at just how does this offense actually stack up to the past additions and it surprised me that overall just in terms of EPA per play like we're not seeing the 2023 Ravens be this juggernaut in terms of even passing the football or overall offense not even compared to what we saw in 2019 and even 2020 definitely a step ahead of what we had in 2021 and 2022 but I'm just saying seventh overall in EPA per play eighth in pass you know fifth per run balanced offense that is peaking recently let's face it 37 23 33 and 50. 56 points during their last four full games with the starters against some tough defenses along the way. So, not trying to say that this isn't a great offense, but I don't know that they're the same level of juggernaut as we saw in 2019. I know we're just clouded by the playoff loss to Titans, and that sucked, but truly just such an elite regular season offense that was. So, Dwayne, now that we've had an entire season of the Todd Munkin experience, do you believe that the slight uptick in just overall pass volume and accordingly efficiency is enough to get some some different playoff results out of Lamar Jackson and company, a team that let's face it over the last half decade has been a bit bigger of a monster in the regular season than in January.
2: I hope so, but I, I'm, I'm like you. I don't, I don't think we've seen the result. I hope to see with Munkin. Like it's hard to say that. Cause like, look, this is a team that had a first round by they're playing really well. But I still don't think like this offense has clicked like at the very highest level that we would expect. And I think we see that, you know, whenever you dig into like the yards per route runs for the players like Mark Andrews is really good at a one point nine five. But like if you look at Zay Flowers and some of of these other guys, while they've been good, I mean, Flowers is at one point six four. I know you did a really good article on the most explosive players remaining in the playoffs right now. And Zay Flowers was the guy for the Ravens, but you're limiting yourself to each team. Zay Flowers, like relative to everyone else in the league, while he's been good, like it hasn't been great. So I, I feel like there's still a little bit of meat left on the bone. I don't know how much of that ties back to Lamar Jackson versus you know just the overall offensive coordinator and just the fact that they get into these games where they don't have to do a lot. I mean, whenever you're leading, you don't necessarily have to keep the pedal to the metal. And I know that is one of the things that we had really hoped for Uh, whenever we talked about the Ravens early in the season, that maybe they would just continue to, to, to throw the ball, even if they get into these leading game scripts, that hasn't necessarily been the case, but we'll have to wait. Well, I think this weekend, like is going to be, you know, a really good test for them because I do expect the Texans to cover this spread. I think the Ravens are going to win, but I think the Texans will have a chance, you know, to keep this closer than what we expect. And hopefully like we can see more from the Ravens offense.
0: Certainly going to be a step up in competition for that Texans defense. As Warren Sharp pointed out, Texans pasty has faced the NFL's number one easiest schedule of passing offenses this year. Since week 13, they've had Joe Flacco, Gardner Minshew, Will Levis twice, Zach Wilson and Russell Wilson. So not exactly a murderer's row. That said, Chris, you know, different time. It is January 18th as we record this. But if you go all the way back to week one, Houston, Texas did. Actually limit the Ravens to a season low 265 total yards of offense, excluding the week 18 game with former Pro Bowl QB Tyler Huntley under center. So, Chris, mm-hmm. do you think there's anything there to this Houston, Texas defense having a chance to at least limit Lamar Jackson and company? I will say since they've gotten Woe Anderson back over these last few games, they do seem to be playing their best football as of late.
1: See, I don't know about that. Like, uh, I, well, not about the fact that the Ravens have been playing their best offense, but just how the Texans defense can wind up limiting them. Uh, you mentioned there at their week one game. Well, that was a game with without Mark Andrews, uh, if memory Correct. serves. Uh, Odo Beckham still injured. Uh, who else? I mean Zay flowers that was his what his his debut I mean very out. <laughs> true. I mean and still balled out. but I think to kind of what Dwayne was talking about a few minutes ago, this offense has had to evolve like in phases because they've had different guys coming in and out of the lineup throughout the season. I mean Odell Beckham really didn't come on and start having a running or like uh, earning like more than like 15% of the targets until around like week seven. Like it was around like that seven to the week seven to 13 period where we actually saw the best of Oda Beckham at that point. And it wasn't really until like week six or so, like Zay Flowers was really starting to pick up. I mean, he had explosive plays like down the field. I remember their first bout uh, against my Bengals where we saw him getting more shots downfield. But then it was more, and then after that, it was Mark Andrews getting worked back into the game. And then we didn't see the running game really start to pick up because JK Dobbins was hurt. Then we get Keaton Mitchell in the middle parts. So, all that to say, this has been a Ravens team that has been in flux throughout the entire regular season, throughout the fact, like the 18 weeks or 17 weeks, really, because week 18, they rested most of their starters that we've seen like, like parts and pieces of the offense like mixed in throughout the year. So while I think that it might be a tough challenge for him, I mean, the Texans defense has been no slouch. We just watched like what they were capable of doing with D'Amico Ryan's really kind of pulling the strings. I really like that clip. Of uh, I forget who was he talking to? Was it Christian Wilkins that he was talking to, orchestrating oh, Texas, that pick oh. six uh, against like Joe Flacco? Where he pretty much just read and like told him straight up, like, "Hey, watch this, jump this route, and then you know just do this afterwards." Then it was like pick six, like completely like right afterwards. Sure. <laughs> but it's just it's just things like that where I think the Texans will have a solid game plan. They have the right personnel, and of course they have the coaching experience in order to keep the keep the game in front of them for the most part. But with the way that Lamar Jackson has been playing, the incorporation of not just Zay, but having uh, Odell Beckham back healthy. And we'll see now if they try and switch some things up in the playoffs. I mean, you can't take some of those plays you've been holding in your back pocket home with you if you don't wind up pulling them out in the playoffs. So do they start using some more two tight end sets in order to bring Mark Andrews along? Kind of show like, hey, like we've got Mark Andrews back. He's out here. But we've also got a guy like Isaiah Likely that's capable of running routes and hitting uh, and running intermediate crossers and creating explosives that way. They also have Dalvin Cook. I'm sure we'll be talking about him and what his capability in the backfield is. So they've got different elements to this offense that they can bring in to kind of change that same look that the Texans
0: saw back in week one. And one of those points you brought up before about obj not exactly being all the way back in week one he has really been saving his best football for last and want to give a shout to underdogs own josh norris for pointing out that it would make a lot of sense to see him more unleashed in the playoffs and accordingly guys if you're playing pick him over underdog fantasy 30 and a half as they're higher lower give me that higher all day long but dwayne chris mentioned dalvin cook has been now signed to the 53 man roster melvin gordon see you later my friend so dwayne i mean this is a a team that, as you've talked about, you know, has certainly done a good bit of leading this season up there with the 49ers. Do you think that Dalvin Cook could low-key see more volume than we're expecting in his first game with the Ravens?
2: I don't think we have any clue. (laughs) I mean, the Ravens (laughs) like to rotate guys so much. uh, I think it's one of those things where we've just got to see it. I think they want to use the three-man backfill. We saw that with Keaton Mitchell. So I think most of the work would probably come from Gus Edwards. Get more of the early down work, still probably leaving Justice Hill as the primary option in the two-minute offense long down a distance, but not try to bang him between the tackles too often. And I think that'll be the three-way split. But, I mean, anything could happen. If Dalvin Cook plays really well, it is the playoffs. They could start to go with a hot hand. And maybe he does get more than what we're thinking. I I think the big one, though, is Odell Beckham Jr. That route participation has definitely been below 70% almost every game since early in the year. And typically, he's been in that 60 to 50% range. And that's something that I was looking into. What was the target share? How did that break down whenever we had Mark Andrews plus Zay Flowers plus Odell Beckham junior on the field. Mark Andrews had a 29% target share Odell Beckham, junior 24% and Zay flowers was the third option. 21% when all three players were on the field together this season, not a huge sample there, uh, but over 250 routes. So decent. And that, that would be something that I would want to see. It's fine. We all like Nelson Aguilar. We've all tried to hang on to our hope for, uh, you know, Rashad Bateman, but I would like to see OBJ uh, you know, take let's take the governor off you know let's open it up let's let him go um this is what you signed him to all the money for i mean he got a nice contract i know it wasn't okay. a super long-term contract but they paid him quite a bit of money and i had been wondering
0: if they were just saving him for the playoffs so we shall see could just be the last game of the year. Dwayne can't hold anything back now. All right, guys, moving along to the Saturday night game, 8.15 p.m. Eastern. We got the Green Bay Packers traveling to Candlestick or whatever the hell they call it now, facing the San Francisco 49ers favored by nine and a half points. Game total all the way up there at 50 and a half. So there is a chance for rain here, but obviously in San Francisco, not expecting any of that sort of inclement weather madness that we see in Buffalo and the other spots. So Jair Alexander back to back DMPs to start of the week. That is not good. He is still dealing with the shoulder and it seems like more seriously the ankle injury. Also, have AJ Dillon continuing not to practice with the thumb and neck issues. So expect another full workload for one Aaron Jones. Also, just point out that Christian Watson, while he did play last week, is still dealing with that hamstring injury to an extent because he is limited and as we saw last week, he was not working in his usual role inside of three wide receiver sets. So tough to just assume that's going to be changing here overnight. So with all that said, fellas, what is like is it the path to success against San Francisco? Literally just Jordan loves continuing to do kingship because hey, he's been working for him for two months now. And just when I look at him, again, it's almost the same analysis as like the Ravens, where I guess you can go ahead and say they've been a little bit weak against the run. But I just wonder, man, like, because I mentioned before like the lighter boxes and stuff. And you look at those top five, top six teams, the Ravens are up there, the Bills, the Dolphins, the 49ers, like really well coached and ultimately pretty damn good at defenses that probably should be a reasonable strategy. If you can put five or six defenders in the box, coerce teams to run, and then just be good, even if you're not great because you don't have a bunch of defenders there, I mean, that's a win. A four-yard carry, guess what? Not rocket science, guys. You get on four yards per carry, you want teams to run instead of averaging the seven to eight yards per pass attempt they're going to get. So, Dwayne, again, thoughts on how Green Bay might be attacking San Fran because there's one man that might know a way. Could be Matt LaFleur
2: yeah for sure and if you look at green bay like over these last five games and i don't think it's necessarily a coincidence ian it's really been since they've gotten aaron jones back um aj dylan look it's been a rough season like the explosives haven't been there he, he just doesn't add a lot but aaron jones is a guy that we know can do that and over these last four games a minus five percent drop back rate over expectation so for those of you that don't know what that number means whereas we're all, all we're doing is we're looking at did they decide to drop back and pass the ball or run the ball and it's based on the score and the down and the distance. And then we can compare that to what has the rest of the league done in that exact same situation over the last three seasons. If you get a minus number, that means you ran the ball more than other teams did in that situation. If you get a plus number, that means you ran more than other teams in that situation. So that yes. minus fr- minus 5%, um, they're definitely trying to be more of a, if we were picking the Madden playbook Ian, we'd be going with the run balance. They also use more of that 12 personnel last week. I think they found out that Tucker craft can play a little bit when they had Luke Musgrave out. Now you get Musgrave back and that just gives you a new wrinkle that you can throw at them. You can come out there and run three wide. We've talked ad nauseum about the wide receivers, how many different ones have stepped up for the Packers and how well Jordan Love has been able to just kind of keep on keeping on no matter who's out there. But now you got these two tight ends that can help you in your run sets. And it was a killer against the Cowboys, you know, basically sitting in a, I got to bring them up again, but sitting sitting in a seat where you're
0: watching <laughs> you, the all you dug your own grave. Yeah. <laughs> you did this. <laughs> well, we look, didn't do this. It was a
2: thing of beauty for the Packers. I'll say that sitting from a seat where you're essentially watching the all twenty-two and just watching the alignment, like even uh, like my nephew was like, "There's a huge hole to the right <laughs> there, just yeah. to just take off through it." And I'm like, "Yes, there is," and it was mostly coming against that twelve personnel. So I think it's nice that they've got another wrinkle. And to your point you know, against the 49ers, I think you need to be able to do all of those things. And it's a similar conversation to what we talked about with CJ Stroud. You do not want to get into a massive trailing situation early against the 49ers. That's going to be a losing scenario. But if you can keep them guessing, keep the score close enough that the run can still be involved with Aaron Jones playing his best football of the season, I do think that's the big counterpunch that you want to have available to you with Jordan Love because that's what you're running everything off of. That's what your boots are coming off of, the play action. You know, Jordan Love's still going to have to come through and make his big plays during the game. But yes, I do think keeping Aaron Jones involved, getting him going, making the 49ers have to respect every inch of the field, that's how you have a shot. Because you're going to have to win a shootout. I don't think the Packers' defense can stop the 49ers. So your best hope is to win a shootout. And the best way to win a shootout is you've got to be unpredictable. Mm-hmm.
0: Wayne mentioned Jordan love in there towards the end. And I would invite you guys to check out my article on the Packers, you know, quarterback of now and quarterback of the future. Also got a YouTube video going up wherever you are listening to us now, or the Fantasy life YouTube page. If you're so inclined to check that out as well, but long story short guys, again, it's not just like a looking at how he's been this year. Okay. Maybe he's a top 10 guy at this point. Legit. You know, as much as we've got JJ Watt and people shouting down on PFF grades, you can use PFF grades. If you want, you can use EPA. You can use CPOE you can use passer rating. They all tell us that he has legit been a not top five, a top two quarterback right up there with one Brock Purdy since week nine, basically since October ended. So maybe, you know, we will have the regression gods, you know, coming for him eventually. But either way, man, when you're that good, even if it has been a little lucky, obviously making all sorts of big plays. So Chris, yeah, we're going to need Jordan Love to keep on doing his thing. But how much do you expect Aaron Jones to once again be featured? I mean, this dude is on one hell of a hot streak, hundreds 127 yards, 120 yards, 111, and a buck 18 with three touchdowns against Dwayne's Cowboys. Those came on 21, 20, 22, and 21 rush attempts. Chris, you think we're getting over that number again? Because if so, might be a betting man talking to you right now that wants to take that rush attempt over.
1: I mean, we're both betting men like talking to each other about this because I might good, be placing <laughs> the same wager. But yeah, I think to Dwayne's point, trying to make sure that the core personnel that they were using last week, not to say that from a two tight end standpoint, that they're going to continue to run like something similar to what we saw against the Cowboys, but at least making sure that their core personnel are getting involved. So the Romeo Dobbs of the world, the Aaron Jones of the world, and then pick one of the tight ends at this point, but. Aaron Jones right now with how he's been playing and like the efficiency that he's shown since, uh, since returning from injury. And like you, like you mentioned at the start of this conversation I and mean, AJ Dillon not being a part of at least we can assume that he's not going to be a part of their, of their plans for this weekend. I mean, it, we're not we're not looking at Patrick Taylor saying like, oh yeah, like just go ahead and toss him in. He's gonna be the guy that you're gonna to want to roster for this upcoming weekend. No, it's been Aaron Jones, like the utilization if you can go and check out the utilization report we got for free, like on fantasy life, Ooh. you can show that he has been like the man like for, for Green Bay, not just as a rusher, but also a part of the passing game as well. So if we're gonna need some of those trick shots or screen passes like from Jordan Love off his back foot that looks Aaron Rodgers-esque I mean in order to create explosives and keep the uh, keep the Packers offense moving downfield Aaron Jones has to be a part of it uh, because last week we saw like with the Packers moving more to two tight end sets to keep Dan Quinn's defense guessing we saw less of a guy like Jaden Reed because they were operating with more two wide receivers on the field so if we can't look to the wide receiver core or at the very least project what that's going to look like for their pass catchers downfield other than the other than the tight ends and of course Romeo Dobbs with how well he played last week the various it lends itself to Aaron Jones being the guy that you would want to target out of this offense because we know he's going to get the touches out of the backfield I mean that's that's almost that's already a foregone conclusion but if he's also going to be continue to be a part of this passing game as well and again if it's going to be a shootout we know that Brock Purdy and the rest of the squad is going to come here to play, and they're going to probably put up a number of points against uh, against this Green Bay defense, especially if Jair Alexander is not going to be able to make it. That puts, that puts the Packers in a spot where they're going to have to rely on their core guys, and Aaron Jones has to be one of them.
0: Final note I have here before we talk about Brock Purdy and that ever-explosive 49ers offense. Again, just trying to find anything that this 49ers defense has been somewhat mediocre at this year. Mention the run, but also when teams have been able to get the ball out quickly against them and not let Nick Bosa, you know, just go ahead and take your quarterback to school and all that. We've actually seen the 49ers become a much more average defense. So, in situations where the pass is out in under two and a half seconds, 18th in yards per attempt, 13th in explosive pass play rate, 16th in EPA allowed per play. Again, they're not turning into jabronis or anything, but it's at least more manageable. And then you look, and not even week nine on guy, but the entire season quarterback's thrown in under two and a half seconds. is two attack by Loa, Jared Goff, and Jordan Love at number three in terms of the most efficient quarterback. So again, that's that perfect marriage where Matt LaFleur is scheming up some goodness and when it's there, Jordan Love can get it to wide open, tight end, flat quickly, and then hopefully save those playmaking moments for the third and longs when needed. Dwayne, moving on to the 49ers. It's, you know, just always an obstacle trying to figure out who's going to be getting fed the rock, whether it's CMC, Kittle, Debo, or Ayuk during any given single week. As we saw over the course of the season, all guys are going to end up balling out because all guys are ballers. But I know over the years you've had some good splits and things with Debo versus Ayuk in terms of facing a man or zone heavy defense. Do you have, a, you know, a few extra dollars that you're willing to put on one of those wide receivers, expecting them to be the bigger target this week?
2: Like if I had to pick, it would be debo this week you know with green bay over the last six games they have used man coverage only 13 percent of plays Sheesh. now some of that can be baked into last last week once you get a big lead on a team you're going to play a lot of zone coverage just keep it over the top so that's probably a little bit of a factor on the season they're 19 which is you know just slightly above the league average this season for for uh man coverage so i think we're going to see more zone we are getting more of debo samuel again this year against zone coverage um, if I'm pulling up his targets per route run right now, but typically the way that they'll run that is they've got a, it's, it's like when you're playing Madden, you know, and you're, you're looking for your, uh, you know, who you're playing against. You're like, you, they come out, you put a guy in motion, you see that it's man. Then you're like, okay, I got this man beater that I'm gonna hit on one side of the field. If you don't see, a, if you don't see the cornerback or whoever follow along, or they stop before he crosses, you know, to the other side of the formation, then, you know, it's zone. You're like, okay, I'm gonna hit this underneath route to Debo. And that's what the 49ers are doing, like a a very simplified. They're doing a much more complex version of that, but that's the way that it's working out. So when they're against zone coverage, 25% targets per route run to Debo Samuel. And that number for IU is 22%. So they're they're fairly close. But when you get man, it's all about IU. 27% targets per route run only 14% of those going to Debo. So we do have the Packers that run a mixture, but they are more of a zone coverage team. So I would slightly lean to Debo, but it's still really close Ian um, because typically I only worry about the extremes and I wouldn't call the Packers an extreme coverage unit either way, man versus zone. But I was chatting with Kendall Valenzuela today on SiriusXM about this 49ers offense. And I, I honestly cannot remember a time and I've been watching football for a very long time. With an offense that's loaded across the board with pass catchers at four positions, like they are, you got mm-hmm. Debo we just talked about, Ayuk we talked about, George Kittle. Uh, look, maybe not a top three tight end right now in fantasy, but in real life, he's a top three tight end. He just happens to play with all these other studs, and then CMC Run is arguably go. the best receiving back out of the backfield. Like, I think back, I'm like, I remember Randy Moss and Chris Carter, but like, okay, mm-hmm. like they didn't have a great tight end. Robert Smith was the running back. He wasn't a great receiver. He was just a, he was a home run threat out of the backfield like this year. Obviously we've got the dolphins, but they don't have an elite tight end. Um, They got okay pass catchers, but no one that rivals CMC out of the backfield. I think the closest one I can think of Ian was going back to the Broncos Mm -hmm. under, under Mike Shanahan. When they had Rod Smith, Ed McCaffrey, McCaffrey, Christian's daddy. And they had Shannon Sharp, and Terrell then they Davis. had Terrell Davis. Yeah. And Terrell Davis wasn't huge out of the backfield the way CMC is. So, like, I honestly cannot recall
0: an offense this loaded at four positions. So since 2000, you got me there by a couple of years. Those were some fantastic Broncos teams, but there have only been three offenses with four skill position players with over a thousand total yards. The 2023 49ers, the 2004 Colts, Reggie, Marvin, uh, Stokely, Edron James, and also Dallas Clark. Dallas that was Clark, a sick Clark yeah. offense. And then out of nowhere, your 2020 Teddy Bridgewater-led Panthers. Shout out Joe Brady, Curtis, DJ Moore, chosen formerly known as Robbie Anderson, and no, Not Christian McCaffrey, Mike freaking Davis rounding out that apparently pretty lethal 2023 Panthers offense. So, I was shocked to see that. Just the most that, you know, two dragons that look scary and the one guy who isn't quite as scary. That's (laughs) what I mean, what's going on with there. So, Chris, again, there's... The 49ers, again, best offense in the league. It's one of the best offenses in the years, honestly. I mean, if you just look Mm -hmm. at it, EPA per play that's the fourth highest single season mark of the last five years, and to Dwayne's point about the passing game, like, just since 2010, most explosive passing offenses. It's the 2023 49ers, the 2018 Chiefs, the first Mahomes year, and Shanahan's other best unit, the 2016 Falcons, tied atop the league in terms of, again, the most explosive passing offenses of the last 13 years. So, CMC presumably healthy after having several weeks to get You know just right after suffering i believe it was an ankle or calf issue yeah back in our fantasy championships that was sick anyway chris like do you see any real path here the 49ers being slowed down because just when i look at it you know i tweet out my mismatch manifesto charts every week just combines different metrics gives us a nice one-way you know street to look at this i mean the 49ers have the week's best matchup on the ground in the air and pretty much everything and yeah, the Packers, I guess, are playing a little bit better, but it's still a little bit concerning to see that 510 yards of total offense they just gave up against Dallas.
1: Right, and I think that's the that's the, that'll be the concerning part, and why it's so easy to see how this could be just a track meet on on both sides. Like if the Packers come out and still are able to scheme up a similarly efficient game plan that they did against the Cowboys, and of course the 49ers are just normal, like just normal. They don't have to go above and beyond or have this like this massive blow up or like that. just be normal. And then you're talking about like probably like a 70 point game or something along, along those lines. Because again, let's just look at their core pass catchers. And you mentioned we I mean, got, got Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle. Kittle made All Pro this year, right? If I remember, or was he second team? I forget he was first or second team. Uh, but either way, I mean, you've got Debo right now sitting at since he came back. I give him like the one week grace period to come back from injury. I think it was after uh, week t- came back in week ten. First game with over, like, 70% of the snaps in Week 11. Uh, Right now, like, sitting throughout the rest of the regular season, about a 23% target share. Then Ayuk right behind him around 21, 22, then kill at 18. So that, like, the team is already telling us that those three players, like, there's really not a massive delineation, like, between those three guys. And they're all, like, and they're all killing it from an efficiency standpoint, uh, like from like, for all three of them. But then also, the thing that I was looking at is just, And we've seen this so far in the media, uh, like players talking about, well, how do you wind up slowing down this 49ers passing game? And a lot of people have mentioned that Purdy. Is the weak link for it, like for the team if you try and get him rattled almost in the same way that the ravens did like in their matchup a few weeks ago like on uh, on christmas it was if you can get to him like he would wind up being the weak link because you're not slowing down cmc you're not you're not stopping debo i mean the man's already hard enough to tackle and you're not beating or you're not keeping enough coverage over iuk in order to slow him down so it's like can you get enough pressure to can you get enough pressure to purdy in order to force him into some errant throws but the problem is the guy that Purdy targets the most, like when he is put under pressure is Christian freaking McCaffrey. So it's just it like the running back. I mean, which is almost counterintuitive for a lot of other offenses. Cause you would think that, all right, well, if it was, Joe Burrow, who would he look to the most often like when he gets put under duress? Okay, well, even like for Patrick Mahomes, it would probably wind up being Travis Kelsey or maybe now like Rashi Rice. Mm-hmm. But for that to be Christian McCaffrey's role right now and the fact that he's not just taking the dump off targets, but actually like his air yards per target show that he's actually moved more into like a short, short-ish area of the field, I mean, that creates enough explosives that, yeah, it's going to be really tough for this Green Bay Packers defense to really slow them down. So like I'm looking for multiple scores, or at least a, a ton of production across each of those guys. And then heck, if you want to even go like dumpster diving, I mean, heck, if you want to try and like try and roster the Juwan Jennings of the world, like those slot mm. receivers, those types of guys to get unique, that's where it becomes a little fun in a game that we know is going to wind up having at least the most points out of the, like any of the games like on this uh,
0: divisional round slate. I love to call out with McCaffrey when he's under pressure. I mean, there's been a couple times this year where you see the defender like blitzing, going for the quarterback, and then they have to peel when McCaffrey goes out right behind him. It's just this moment of like, oh, my God, now i got to go cover Christian McCaffrey downfield. I am beyond screwed. But, yes, when this 49ers offense has been healthy, no one has been better. They had the three games without Trent Williams or Debo Samuel, only scored 17 points in those games. The rest of the year, though, guys, 30, 30, 30, 35, 42, 34, 27, 31, 42, to 28 45 19 points against the ravens and then 27 again true true amazing stuff coming out of San fran should be a fun one there on saturday night All right, guys, before we get going on to the Sunday action, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings because it's the NFL playoffs and we've teamed up with DraftKings, an official partner of the NFL, and right now they have an offer you do not want to miss. All customers can get a no sweat bet with a bonus bet back if your same game parlay bet does not hit. We do have max reward limits applying, but download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up using our promo code, questions, and if you're a new customer, you are definitely going to want to listen up because right now on DraftKings, new customers who bet just $5 will get two $200 back in bonus bets. Instantly wondering what you can do with your $200 in bonus bets. Well, you can combine multiple bets together for a shot at an even bigger payout and sports betting is not yet available in your state. Not to worry. You can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings daily fantasy sports. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now all new customers again, use that promo code questions. You'll get a note sweat bet, get a bonus bet back. If your same game parlay bet loses. And again, that's promo code questions only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Sunday action, fellas, 3 p.m. Eastern. We got the Buccaneers traveling to Detroit to take on the Lions. Lions are favored by six and a half points. The game total is at 48 and a half. It is going to be absolutely freezing in Detroit, but hey, not sure if you guys know the Lions do play in a dome so we are good to go there sadly Khalif Raymond still not practicing with a knee injury so we don't get to bet his always too low receiving prop would also note Chris Goblin while he did start the week off with a DMP in a knee injury himself that's been fairly normal during this year and he seemed to be a late arrival of Thursday's practice and the fact he's doing media availability and things like that really don't think there's much of a risk to Goblin missing this one so Dwayne sticking with that Buccaneers offense I know you just had a video go on our Fancy Life YouTube page, talking about a same game parlay. I think it might just involve this Buccaneers passing game against a Lions defense that, yes, did do a good job pretty much holding Baker to his worst, if not, you know, maybe second worst compared to that Panthers end of season game. One of the worst performances of the season. You only scored six points. I get it, but. If you do go back and watch that game, this was not a situation of the Lions just causing all sorts of chaos, you know, making one great play after another. It really was, you know, just one self-inflicted gunshot wound after another, mostly by Baker. I mean, we have potential touchdowns deep to Trey Palmer and Chris Goblin, just not even end up being catchable. Another long gainer to Palmer. And there was one situation where, I'm not kidding, like their own eight-yard line, double move, safety bites. Mike Evans is gone for maybe a 92-yard touchdown, worst case, we're talking talking like 80 yards, hawk down at the opposite 10. Baker throws it, tipped at the line, and turns into a freaking interception. So, again, Dwayne, it wasn't lucky, and I would just you know say we have a much larger span of the Buccaneers offense being good and this Lions pass defense not being so good. How concerned are you with that first performance when trying to establish a winning same-game parlay? I'm
2: not at all. I mean, third-down f- conversions that game, 17%. Their season average was 42%. So I think it was just an outlier. Red zone efficiency, 0% of the time they got into the red zone. Did they score a touchdown? Their average is 46% for the year. Sometimes you just have a bad game, and that's what happened in that contest. So when you look at this matchup, though, we've got the Lions who give up the most passing yards per game in the NFL. Um, Pretty much any way you slice all these metrics for the Lions, you can just go back to yards per game. They're all bad. They're all bad. There's no way that you can look at it that will make it suddenly feel better to you. If you're a Lions fan, sorry, it just is what it is. But Mike Evans is going off against this team. On top of that, they love to run man coverage. They run man coverage the sixth most in the league over the last six games. They've been gravitating more and more to it over the last several games. Mike Evans has a 37%. Yes, guys, 37. A three, then a seven, then a percentage (laughs) sign. 37% target share against man coverage. Oof. That's godly. That is Herculean. That's uh, you pick your favorite Greek god and you stamp it on Mike Evans. That's what he is against man coverage. So he's going off this weekend. Um, I, I keep looking at our projections, trying to figure out a way like, how do I make this higher? Because I want people to bet it, but I'm still trying to be reasonable about it. Uh our producer Lamarca knows he's writing up lines all the time. So uh <laughs> he'll probably be checking them out again after this. But I've got him, I've got him to the over. But I do like the single single game parlay. If you guys want to check it out, you gotta go over to the YouTube channel at at MB Fantasy Life, I've got the Detroit Lions side of this game covered as well. It's a four-legger, but again, focusing on the Bucs. The other thing here, Ian, is they just don't throw it that much to the tight end. They don't throw it that much to the running back against man coverage. So if I was leaning one way or another on these, I would go to the under on Rashad uh, White and the receptions this weekend. Even though it's a stiff, it's a stiff run defense and they could decide to get the touches to Rashad White in the passing game, Rashad White's target share this year against man coverage. Who wants to guess first here?
0: Five mm. percent, one percent. Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> Give me the under. Oh. Uh, I was going to write you and be like one dollar, one percent. Kate Otten was uh, you know the was the main target last weekend against the Eagles and their banged up uh, linebacker core. I don't think that's happening again this weekend, either 6%. So that really leaves it going to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Godwin's got a 20% targets per route run, a 24% target share against man. So look for this to really condense around Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I like the anytime touchdown on Godwin in this one. I like any kind of bet you can make on Mike Evans. And I also like
0: the over on Baker Mayfield in the passing yards got to think Evans isn't going to go two straight weeks with the sort of drops that he was putting on display last week. Again, it was just weird to see a quarterback throw for over 303 touchdowns and be like, yeah, they even have more meat on the bone that they weren't able to get off. Evans, obviously two huge downfield drops. One of them would have been a touchdown and also Kate Otten probably should have had a 10 yard touchdown to his name as well. Saw a really cool chart from Sam Hoppin. Shout out to uh, the fantasy pros finest, but yeah, pretty much total EPA lost by drops this season just regular season top six teams Buccaneers, Cardinals, Chargers, Patriots, then the Chiefs, and then also the Rams in that top six. So always cool when he includes, you know, the expected yak to it. So better than just, you know, our air yards lost on drops. So good stuff from Sam. Give him a follow at Sam Hoppin on Twitter if you are so inclined. Chris, looking again more so at this uh, passing game, because as we've seen throughout the year, Buccaneers not very good at running it, and the Lions are very good at stopping it. How confident are you in just uh, the overall Baker experience here? Is over under is only at 253 and a half and you look at these mm-hmm. last four games Matthew Stafford 367 Nick Mullins 396 and 411 Dak Prescott at 345 I mean again we got see you know Chauncey Gardner Johnson talking a little bit of that shit saying the Buccaneers would be good if they had a uh, you know great quarterback out there obviously insinuating Baker has not and while I'm not going to say that Baker's been this top 10 signal caller pretty tough to find this advanced stat that we trust out there that paints him as anything worse than you know a top 12 Twenty sort of talent so you feeling good about you know buccaneers country bacon this weekend chris
1: see i don't i don't know fellas i don't know uh i i saw the tweet from uh from ben solak from the ringer uh saying that baker thrives off of like he feeds off the the negativity it's like so when true. when you when, when you doubt him like that's when he pops up for games like we saw against the eagles but when you believe in him that's when you get I'll the start game trashing in. Baker
2: right now. Yeah. I got that's, the first that's, tweet. that. <laughs> that's when
1: you, that's when you get the games against the Panthers. So it's like after, after last week, like, does he have one of those games where everybody's like, Oh, Baker's back, you know, Renaissance man, everything. And then now that we believe him, does he go out and lay a dud, uh, against Detroit? It's entire, I mean, just, just that narrative alone. I was like, you know what? Like maybe, but I think if we're looking at it, if we're looking at it realistically, uh, Dwayne just mentioned a second ago, like his his passing guard line opened at 244 and a half. I mean, that's that, I mean, for what we've seen out of him so far, like this season, I mean, just the, the fact that he's been able to get by. I mean, just think about it. What was it four months ago? How many months ago was August four months, five months ago, five yeah, months ago? ago <laughs> uh, I can't even do basic math at this point. <laughs> uh, I mean, five months ago, he was in a quarterback competition with Kyle Trask. Think about that.
0: Let that right? sink
1: in. Yeah, let, let that sink in for a second. And then now that we've seen Dave Canales like coming over from Seattle, how much he's been like how easy it's been him for him to buy into the system and excel in it as well. Uh, I I don't have I don't have any uh, I guess real concerns about like how well this is going to work out, like for them. I that's probably gonna be my own downfall, like when I go to like place a few bets this weekend. But I think the one thing that I will take to heart is with these injuries that have piled up for Baker. Uh then we've seen it in pockets like throughout the season. Like that's been where we've seen less of him, less of the pocket movement, like for him, and less play action from him as well. And the, really, that's where like that's kind of how the system thrives like, at this point for him. Try and take as much off his plate, get him on that those boot actions, get him like moving around in the pocket, taking shots downfield. And last week uh against the Eagles, 29, 30% play action rate. And we saw like how explosive and how efficient like moving in that system could be. And it was a week beforehand when it was I don't think he was practicing like uh, against the coming up against the Panthers. He wasn't practicing until midweek. There was legitimate concern about how he was doing, like from a health standpoint. So now if we have him healthy, we have everything else moving in the direction it's supposed to. God, I'm looking OK. Mike Evans playing well and all of that. We should be able to see the system operate as it was intended. And if we get that same at least baseline level of efficiency that we would expect not going to say it's going to be the same output that he had against philadelphia but at least if we get average baker at this point it's enough for us to keep it keep it uh keep the passing game moving and seeing those explosive shots downfield i'm with Dwayne, mike evans chris godwin fire all the cannons like for at least from from the buccaneers because i really do think that this is this sets up well given the fact that the Detroit Lions secondary has been bottom 10 in EPA per drop back allowed throughout the throughout most of the regular season. So I'm less on Rashad white more
0: on the pass catchers for this weekend. And shout out to the man making all this happen, Dave Canales, you know, the offensive coordinator. I know Bobby slovak has been the hot name. and not trying to take anything away from Bobby out there, but looking at Canales, man, I mean, first year, obviously, as the OC in Tampa, what a turnaround for Baker and company. I know they have great wide receivers, but still anyone's idea of a great passing game. Last year he was the Seahawks quarterbacks coach and got all that production of Geno Smith and company, was their passing game coordinator two years before that, getting a hell of a lot more out of Russell Wilson than maybe we actually, you know, thought he should have been. In hindsight with all that. So we shall see if the uh, Baker, you know, can keep this fairy tale going there against Aiden Hutchinson and company. On the other side of the ball, I don't want to repeat ourselves too much, fellas, but it's almost, you know, just a more lethal version of a passing offense being the form of Jared Goff and the Sun God and everyone against a Buccaneers secondary that has also been had on numerous occasions throughout this year. It does seem like just being able to pressure Jared Goff is going to be the main thing in this one. Shot to field. Yates had the great stat about Goff, was literally perfect. Perfect 22 for 22 for 277 yards and a touchdown when not pressured last week. That was the most completions of a, in a playoff game. And I think ever, if not, you know, last 20 plus years when not pressured. So great stuff there. When golf has been pressured, look, any quarterback's going to be worse when you're, you know, pressured versus in a clean pocket. I understand that. But even relative to the other quarterbacks, I mean, we're talking about a guy that is legit top two, top three in most metrics from a clean pocket. We see him go down to 14th in PFF pass grade 24th in. pass macerating 13th in yards per attempt when not given the benefit of a clean pocket. So Dwayne, when you're kind of looking at just the coverages or the pressure and things like that, is there anyone you can see jumping out here other than Amon Ross, St. Brown and Sam Laporta? Because otherwise, I guess we just keep putting our eggs in those baskets. I don't like they've let us down too often this year anyway.
2: Yeah, I think that's what you're doing. Um, It's just a really unique matchup, right? On the Tampa Bay side of the defense, you've got the number four rush defense and the number 28 pass defense. So you've got a potential for a pass funnel. Then on the lion side, you've got the number two run defense and the number 32 pass defense. So it's rare that we get two defenses that are both really good against the run and terrible against the pass. And so there's just an opportunity, in my opinion, for a big shootout here. But yeah, there's nothing extra to cover here. Like the one thing I would say is the Bucks have been they've been bad period against the past, but they've been really bad against the slot opposing slot wide receivers. Yeah. So they've given up 67.8 receiving yards per game. So obviously that means Amon Ra's going off for 300 because he's the sun <laughs> god. Um, but when we look at this game. Like Laporta, I just wonder, like, I know he's fully practicing, but he's Dan Campbell fully practicing. That, that basically <laughs> means he's like 50% on any other practice report. So it's just hard to know what we're going to get, but they've not been very good against tight end either. Again, their secondary has been bad all around, but they've been specifically bad against the slot. So that's just a little bit of extra goodness for Amon Ross St. Brown. I think he's going for over a hundred yards. If you want to bet the alternate receiving line this weekend.
0: Would make sense plus
2: plus one twenty still.
0: What makes sense if he gets there. Five straight games with 100 total yards. He had 90 receiving in one of them, but chipped in 11 rushing yards. Nobody else in the NFL has a current longer streak. Sadly, Kyron's got snapped last week when he got injured before he could finish the game. So true king shit from the sun, God himself. Guys, let's talk Chiefs and Bills now. Pretty much the matchup of the week. And Chris Allen actually wrote an entire article on it that you can find at FantasyLife.com. Always a good read over there, Chris. So again, Chiefs at the Bills, Buffalo favored by two and a half points game total of 45 and a half this one is kicking off sunday at 6 30 p.m eastern gonna be a cold one out there 20 degrees with 10 to 15 mile per hour winds giving us feel like temps close to zero as always shout out to Roto grinders kevin roth for supplying most of and by most, I mean all of this weather information. Kevin's awesome. Make <laughs> sure you check out his article and just constant updates over there at roto But he basically said this should be pretty similar to what the Bills and Steelers were going through last Monday. We we're like, yeah, it's cold, but is it going to completely up end game plans? Probably not. So we do have, you know, some wide receiver news. Sky Moore is off IR with that knee injury, potentially could return. Also, have Kadarius Tony dealing with hip and ankle issues and Justin Ross dealing with the hamstring back to limited practices, at least over in Buffalo, though, Gabriel Davis still not practicing with that knee injury, so maybe just maybe we continue to get more of a featured Khalil Shakur role than we were seeing before. Finally, this Buffalo defense is banged up. Taylor Raptors starting safety dealing with a calf issue. Their linebacker Terrell Bernard with an ankle and cornerback Christian Benford, all three starters all not practicing to start the week, so we'll see how those things play out as we get into the weekend, but Chris, at a minimum, man, we got a banged up Bills defense and some weather that admittedly isn't great Great for the passing offenses involved.
1: Yeah, and but at least for the on the Chiefs side of things, doesn't it doesn't really matter a ton for at least for the for the Chiefs passing game because we already know where the targets are going to go. I mean, it's it's been Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey like over the past like six weeks. uh, I mean, like they've had both of them had earned like the primary like primary amount like of the targets like from Mahomes. The rest of the guys, whether it's justin watson uh the reserve tight ends i mean you you can even take out week 18 when most of the guys were starting i mean we're not just seeing like any sort of contribution from those auxiliary uh, auxiliary guys i mean so if i'm approaching this from a dfs standpoint maybe you might want to get weird with a guy like justin watson because he has been earning some of the targets downfield so if you want to try and throw in a guy that could you know maybe hit that boom, like almost like in the Gabe Davis, like archetype, like where he winds up hitting, like some of those like uh, long catches, like downfield for a a decent amount of yardage. That might be a way to get unique in this matchup. But overall, like since we've seen Rice, Kelsey be those guys that have been, I mean, they. I think was it just last week? I mean, they wound up uh, like, or the the last time they played against the bills. I mean, it was Rice and Kelsey that combined for 20, uh, for 20 uh, targets from Mahomes. That's almost half of the attempts that he threw in that game. But if we can't really rely on most of those guys for any sort of projectable volume and maybe toss in a guy like Pacheco, if you want to look at him from a pass game standpoint, which even that's look kind of fluky. I'll let Dwayne take a look at that here in just a second. I think really like those are the only guys that you really want to try and take a look at. And with Mahomes past like his passing a dot starting to draw back a bit. He's at a career low uh, passing a dot right now for, uh, for his career. I do think it's easier for us to just look at rice. Kelsey, and then just move
0: on, at least for for the Chiefs specifically. Dwayne, I know we got some fresh scars. I was with you. Pacheco over three and a half receptions. Ended up touching the ball 25 freaking times. They were just all on the ground. Do you think you could get there? And I'll give you some, you know, just ammunition before completely throwing it to you because, you know, we have seen these teams play six times. And I was trying to look at some of the past matchups to see if there's any takeaways. And what got me started was that 11 of Patrick Mahomes' 13 touchdowns against the Bills have come inside the 12-yard line. We literally only saw that amazing 64-yard Tyreek Hill touchdown and then a fairly awesome yak touchdown by Juju Smith-Schuster be for longer than 12 yards. So the Bills have constantly forced the Chiefs to have to move down the entire field, basically, without these huge, you know, chunk plays. Obviously, Kadarius Tony helped ruin one of them recently. But, you know, and just digging more into it, I remember, Dwayne, when we were actually back working at PFF and we got to, you know, actually have Chris Collinsworth on the fantasy pod. And we asked him, like, because Mahomes and I think Josh Allen, a lot of these quarterbacks were struggling. And we were just like, how are they going to get these explosive plays going again, facing so much too high safeties? And Chris was just like, they're not going to until they figure this out. And lo and behold, Chris was freaking right, and they eventually did figure it out. But it's funny seeing that, Dwayne, because that's where things were a couple years ago. Teams just wouldn't stop running these against the Chiefs and the Bills. And now when you look at the defenses in the league that run the most two high safety coverages, two, four, six, and two, man, the Chiefs and the Bills are now both top three defenses and doing just that. And lo and behold, Mahomes still hasn't been exactly amazing against them. 7.8 yards per attempt versus one high coverage is 6.7 versus two. And as Chris stated, the average target depth has cratered. 7.5 7.5 to 5.8. So with all that in mind, Dwayne, even if Patrick Mahomes and his heart wants to be gunning it down the field, do you think there's something there where we can get Pacheco bounce back game over the receptions against the Bills defense that is begging offenses to take the check
2: down? Yeah, I do. Um if you look at Pacheco since Jarek McKinnon went on IR, at least for the last three games. 78% of the rushing attempts, 58% route participation. He's handled 94% of the two-minute offense. That two-minute offense is the very important component. So over that stretch, Ian, averaging 22 opportunities per game, that 17.7 attempts and 4.3 Targets. So looking at, you know, Kyron Williams 22.2, Christian McCaffrey 21.9, he's in that range now. Like we're talking about a guy that's getting utilization similar to Kyron Williams and Christian McCaffrey, and he plays with Patrick Mahomes. And what's been the biggest bugaboo for the Chiefs is just being able to finish drives. They honestly just need to let Pacheco finish some of these drives down once they get inside the five yard line. You look at the Bills, they rank 15th against rushing, but they give up 110 yards per game. So it's like league average. But I think that's a little bit misleading. The Bills give up the fifth most yards per carry at 4.6, and a lot of it has to do with that kind of coverage that you talked about them playing. But also, they've led by four-plus points, the fourth most in the league. 41% 41 of their snaps, they've led by four or more points. So that has kept their opponents having to throw the ball. Opponents throw the ball sixth most drop-back percentage against the Bills. So I think you're looking at a situation where it's kind of disguising 110 kind of seems like league average. I think this is a game where if the Chiefs want to stick with it, and it's going to be a close one, I think you can see Pacheco pop off for like 125 on the ground, and I would take the over. I would take the over on his receptions again. In fact, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it part of uh, you know, my parlays this weekend, whatever I'm betting. There's going to be some Pacheco over three and a half receptions mixed in there. If you look at the Bills, they give up the six most receiving yards to running backs at 41.2 per game. You look at Pacheco, since the loss of McKinnon, he's the number three target on the team. Yes, as Chris said, it's all about Rasheed Rice, and let's honestly pause for a second. Think about Rasheed Rice's name again, and then you can say Travis Kelsey because it's really (laughs) been Rasheed Rice and Mm -hmm. then Travis Kelsey, and then it is going to Pacheco. So that 14% target share, not the best in the world, but on a team that's still a pass heavy team. When you add it all up, it looks pretty good. So, yeah, I like Pacheco over the three and a half. The Bills give up 4.9 receptions per game to running backs. We're not really seeing uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire get that much run, and when he does, he's just replacing Pacheco for a few carries, not getting a lot of work in the passing down. So I think there's a lot to like around Pacheco's prop bets all the way around this weekend.
0: Love it, Dwayne. And America loves a comeback. So we are all rooting for you with that. Speaking of running backs getting fed the <laughs> football, hey guys, since Joe Brady took over as offensive coordinator, the Bills have the single lowest pass play rate in the entire NFL. Yes, a little bit of that is the fact that they've been able to build leads and establish these more, you know, run first friendly situations, but truly has been a completely different offense. They're also, you know, using a bunch more shift in motion, plus 14%. But man, this looks like a different offense. Chris, obviously, a lot of that has come from Josh Allen himself just racking up the design rush attempts. I went to the utilization report hub, which Dwayne and a company have been so kind to make free. And I've seen that Josh Allen has 26 percent of the Bills design rush attempts over the past three weeks, which is an astronomical number for a quarterback. So while I disagree with the public sentiment that Josh Allen fake slid, I think he is far too big and just not quite. Do you guys see how he ran his 40-yard dash? I don't think that man's coordinated or even thinking in his mind enough to be able to fake slide. We're talking about the guy that was throwing balls over his head, you know, against the Texans in the playoffs a few years ago. I don't think – I definitely
2: think that was a fa- – I definitely think that was a fake slide. I, I mean like, don't think
1: that it was a fake yeah, slide. Yeah, I
2: mean, he's just kind of leaning back. Like, what move is that, Ian? That's not a football move. You would never see that move put on, like, a, a Madden joystick – what is that? The lean back and just do whatever move? Looks That's, like a 250 pound guy
0: slide. trying to juke, but he's running full speed, so he can't really figure it out. Most
2: people like juke <laughs> while you're moving. Like if you're juking,
1: it's while you're moving forward. So you would think yeah, your be body's moving out forward. forward.
0: He's leaning back. I thought
1: he was, yeah, you could definitely see, but this is where hey, look, get, the
2: quarterbacks, you just got to give them credit. They're mastering yeah. all this stuff. Mahomes has been doing it for years on the sideline. Dude, you know, he sees oh, the defender, yeah. he sees the defender let up. He's like, okay, I'll just take seven more yards. And then he's pissed whenever he gets a hit right at the sideline. Well, bro, oh, man. quit that's, trying to take the extra yards. Okay. I love Cincinnati wound up Mahomes losing last year. Come on. <laughs> yeah.
0: I've also always laughed at Josh, you know, always being, you know, first team, like in your face, I'll hurdle you, I'll run through you if it needs to happen. But the second, like he gets you know, a little bit of pushback, it's flopping up with the hands in there. Uh, oh my gosh, how could you? But hey, either way, guys, if he slid or didn't slide or whatever, thought about, you know, he thought about fake sliding, whatever the hell you think he did, guess what? He scored an NFL high 202 combined passing and rushing touchdowns over the last five years. Then in second place is Mahomes at 170. No other quarterback is even over within 50 of that mark uh compared to josh so freaking madness chris can josh put the s on his chest and get it done again 100 i don't see i don't see why not especially
1: from a rushing standpoint i think to to your point uh, i think it was during the first like nine weeks of the season and that was when they still had uh, what was the former like ocs i can't even remember his name the dude fired They fired the guy i think they probably threw him in that pit that they have like for the yeah ken dorsey i was probably like in the pit, the pit. somewhere uh, yeah you have heard about this like that pit that they're sacrificing people to at this point in order to get the bills to continue winning it's like the pit for their new stadium it's like the construction oh, area and like bill's mafia are taking like going over to the pit and like a fan like hops into the pit as like some sort of sacrificial thing and that's like the reason why they think they've been winning don't I'm not judge. even kidding. Don't like, judge, just, go, look it up. I'm like, not it's judging, a, I just don't know how a, I've
2: missed this. Sometimes yeah, it's a, it's a thing <laughs> that they're
1: doing. And like, when I saw it, I didn't even like second guess it. I was like, that's a real thing. If it's Bills Mafia, that's a real thing. I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even gonna question it. But no, when it was Ken Dorsey, first nine weeks of the season, the early down passing rate was sixth highest in the league, around like sixty percent. Over the past, uh, past like. Last four games of the regular season, and also including the wild card, they're down to about league average, like right now, around like 50, 51 percent. I mean, Josh Allen himself, nine and a half rushing attempts Ooh. per game over the last six weeks. You can count like design rushes, like scrambles or whatever, nine and a half per game. I mean, the man is almost like a, like a low end like RB two at this point in terms of like how much like he's rushing. And of course, w- when he gets yards, like he did just this past week. 52-yard rushing score, along with any of the other carries he's been able to pick up, third downs and whatnot. It has to be deflating for defenses, but it's wonderful for fantasy managers. The only, like, the the double-edged sword, of the other half to that, or the flip side of that coin, is the fact that we can't rely on the, the running backs that are still there, like for, for the Bills. Sure, they got rid of Leonard Fournette, they released him from the practice squad, and that'd be great if we could look at James Cook as a guy that you would want to roster, even though he got literally zero percent of the carries from inside the five just this past week, oh, it'd be great if like we can then let's all right, well, let's just look at Latavius Murray. Oh, but then his carries are also down because Josh Allen's taking some of those. So it's just I have at least a a lot of concern regarding looking at those guys from a you know dfs or like betting prop standpoint just because Allen has been like putting on that superman cape and just trying to plow through or maybe flick maybe maybe fake sliding you know guys into thinking that you know he's getting that production when it could have been going to the other guys so if i'm going to try and look at any of the rushing props for this game i'm just looking at josh allen let's just like you know let's pump up those overs and uh, look at it from that standpoint
0: Over 9.5 rush of times for Josh Allen was plus 105 over at DraftKings Sportsbook last time I checked. And yeah, 11, 15, and 8 over these past three games. Certainly been good for business recently. Dwayne, anything here on James Cook or anyone? I will say that the last time these two teams played, I mean, seemed like they really had a plan to get Cook involved in the receiving game. Was dominating early, wound up with, you know, almost 150 total yards and an early score on, you know, that kind of seam ball downfield that we don't see a lot of other running backs even getting those opportunities to catch in the first place.
2: I think it's just going to be a pretty diluted offense spread out across everyone. Kansas city low key is a pretty good D Uh, you know, it kind of goes back to all uh, high key, high key Um, (laughs) low key based on, you know, like a Jamar chase, I guess he would just say they're bad. Yeah. But like everything he says is true. It's not like they've got someone's, I I think he's a little bit dissing luxurious Sneed, even though he came back and said he was their best player. He still didn't want to give him the props, but, but whatever. Uh, Snead's been really good and they just know how to take away your best player. So, You've got a rotation at tight end, so I don't feel good about any of the overs receiving for Dalton Kincaid or for Dawson Knox. If I was betting anything on those guys, it would be an anytime touchdown, most likely. Mm -hmm. Um, If I'm looking at the receivers, um, we just talked about Sneed. You know, Diggs has been coming up small. They're running the ball more. I mean, if we look over the last uh, five games, minus 8% dropback rate over expectation. Chris talked about how much, and you did as well, Ian, how much Josh Allen is running the ball. So I think they're just fine trying to keep this game close, whatever way they can, and try to let Josh Allen win it at the end. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes has not lost uh, as a dog against the spread. So I, you know, I mean, he's covered the spread every time in his in his history. So I, I, I think this is going to be a close game. They want to try to let Josh Allen win it at the end. I'm not comfortable though, really making any kind of prediction around someone having a big game. The Chiefs are also good against the running back. Like they, you can get them against the run. But they don't give up a lot passing. They've got some pretty athletic linebackers uh, with Willie Gay and with Nick Bolton. They do some nice things, got some good safety play as well. So I think it's a really tough matchup for Buffalo, but they've been winning without any of the without all of these guys having huge games. Yes, we got the the kind of like that stint where James Cook was going nuclear. But even since he's cooled off, they're just finding a way to win these games. And that kind of feels like that's the mode for both of these teams this weekend.
0: And I do think accordingly because of that, maybe we don't quite get the shootout that we've kind of seen between these two teams more times than not in their past matchups. So to Dwayne's point about the Chiefs having an awfully good defense over there, no NFL team other than the Chiefs has continued to not allow 30 points in a single game this season. Yes, Ravens fans, I know you guys had a safety against the Rams, and that's the only reason why that score got to 31, but the point stands, kudos to Snead and the Chiefs and everything they've done so far. A little guys-
2: secure could be something interesting, we'll see, mm-hmm. but there, there's just- just nothing posted right now because basically the books are waiting to see what happens with Gabe Davis mm-hmm. it sounds like Davis won't play but there, yeah, there's, the lines so. are not up for for Shakir
0: Make sure you guys check out the next edition of this podcast for some betting props where we will have those lines between myself, Matthew Freeman, and Jeff Ulrich. Always a good time there. Before we leave, let's give you guys some props to go ahead. Hopefully make some good old money with over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, the official partner of the Fantasy Life Podcast who we very, very much appreciate. It's time for bold calls, fellas. I'm going to start things off with maybe not the boldest call, but I do think it is a winning prop. So, you know, what's the freaking point? Who cares if it's not bold enough? Giving Patrick Mahomes over 30 36 and a half pass attempts. This is a mark that for his career and the regular season and playoffs, he's over 37. And I even went back and looked at his 14 career games in below freezing temperatures. Guess what? Still clearing 36 and a half, but more than anything, I do think it's a specific matchup. I already talked about how Buffalo has forced them to, again, take more what's there and not have these quick, you know, two, three play drives. They've had to consistently go down the field, you know, meticulously and accordingly in these six matchups, we're talking about pass attempt totals of 43, 40, 44, 54, 38, and 26. So he cleared in five of six and fairly easily in four of those. So Mahomes, over 36 and a half. Again, not the boldest, but I think it is a winner. Dwayne, send us out with a bull call.
2: Yeah, I think Isaiah Pacheco goes for, oh, I think he totals near 150 yards, and I think he scores two touchdowns this Ooh. weekend. I think he's going to, I already said he's going to cover the, the three and a half receptions. So I think that's definitely happened. The matchup is right. Um, He's been hot in that regard, getting all the two-minute offense. So I think Pacheco is a lock over three and a half receptions.
0: Drew locking in. Chris, send us out.
2: I'll go ahead. Uh, Dwayne was talking about uh, Khalil Shakir
1: being an interesting option for the Bills passing game. I'll look at Dalton Kincaid. Uh, Last week, over 40% of the team's air yards. We did see the Bills shift to a little bit more like two tight end sets out on the field with Gabe Davis not out there. So if they do wind up at least using the same offensive approach, uh, and also the fact that he was earning more of the targets when both were on the field, like when him and Knox were on the field running routes, it was Kincaid getting those targets and not Dawson Knox. I know Knox like wound up getting the, getting into the box, but it was like Kincaid, like when they were both on the field, like getting more of those looks from Josh Allen. So if he's getting the targets, also getting the targets downfield, sitting at, I think his line right now on DraftKings is at 40 and a half. I could see him getting over that. And then right now his reception line is at four and a half as well. I mean, that's also a probability, uh, like also possible for him to hit that given how many targets he just got this past week. So I would like lay that as a single game parlay, like for, for both of those toss it in with a anytime touchdown TD or t- anytime touchdown score for Kincaid Hunter Henry got in the box against them. Uh, As well, like during the regular season. So it's entirely possible that that we could see
0: uh, Kincaid like one up doing the same. Life is too short to bet the under, and accordingly, those are our overs there. So I appreciate you guys tuning in to another edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. Again, we'll be back next time with a ton of betting props to help get you guys ready. As always, please subscribe to our Fantasy Life and Betting Life newsletters. They are very much free. It'll help you out and also help us out. So for Dwayne, for Chris, for producer Matt, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in to Fantasy Life Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.